You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeninginkingston.com. Another exciting week, Taylor. Um, we've got some special guests who are going to join us in about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, I'm really excited. We've got some guests coming on who are involved in the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, two young filmmakers who are part of the local shorts program. I'll give more detail on that later, but it's exciting. It is exciting. Aren't we so fortunate to have so much goings on in Kingston, even during a pandemic? Yeah, it's very fortunate that both the Kingston Canadian Film Festival and Reelout made the very wise decision to go digital and we're able to make that work because this way we still get a lot of great things and you can watch from the comfort of your home. It's very safe, very accessible. Like it's, it, we are fortunate to have two film festivals within a month of each other, both doing like a really good job of like innovating for the time. And I could be completely wrong, but I feel like there's going to be a cat movie festival at the screening room. Did you see that? <laughs> no. What is I'll this? I'll Google it real quick. But I think okay, like, <laughs> because you got yeah, me completely off guard. It's going to be like an up and coming, let's see, upcoming movies. I'm pretty sure there is another movie festival coming and I believe it is about cats. But uh, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. So let's see. We need to get more. Infra- and of course, you mean, of course, the feline cat, not not like the cats the musical yeah. like it's just going to be a film festival based and on cats the murphy's musical. law i can't find anything but i swear okay I fine swear <laughs> that i read that there is like okay. a short film festival that like it's like cats and like that's happened in the past listen i believe you but uh, so <laughs> i believe you don't, don't i'm not your best source of um movie news but the skeleton skeleton park arts festival is presenting a free family film like program in march that is true that is real so check that out we we can't confirm or deny the cat thing but the skeleton park arts festival is doing something so there you go that's at least a but we're gonna we're gonna research this now that you said that yeah (laughs) we're gonna find out about this cat musical thing or i don't even think there's it's not connected to the musical but this cat related film festival we're gonna look into that because if that's coming to the screening room that's that's a fascinating story maybe we can talk to some people involved in that that good one i would i would be in that yeah um yes okay the new york cat film festival is is an exploration through film of the fascinating felines that share our lives. Wow. So, what, okay. Is this new or is, is this been around forever? I All I know is that it's a series of short films happening on Saturday, February 20th and Monday, February 22nd. And it's a collection of short films celebrating cats. So I wasn't crazy. That is a real thing. And it is happening at the screening room this, this last weekend it happened. Oh, it's already happened. So we yeah. missed it. We missed the cat festival. See, this is the thing. This is the one thing There's I will too much say going on. about all of this. <laughs> no, well, I was going to say it's getting back into the swing of getting up to date with news. I don't know if you found this. Has been hard for me. Like, I've been so used to nothing kind of going on and and COVID kind of being like, oh, there's no news. Now that things are happening, I've got to get back in the swing of things of actually checking 
websites and actually going back to thinking like, okay, what is happening in, in our community? What is I will mention. Like I got to train my brain. I found out of the New York Cat Film Festival from Wendy's newsletter that mm. came out. Which I'm week. on, I'm on too. I must have not read that or maybe I, I don't remember. Any you thought of it was, like I, I usually it was read so those. weird. Your brain didn't even compute. Maybe that's what it was. It didn't even, it didn't make it in. It got, the eyes saw it and the brain was like, I can't even. Maybe can't next even year. Well, next year we can, we maybe can next year pick we'll Wendy's it. brain about this New York yeah, cat film festival. Yeah. We will. Next time we bring her on the show, we'll t- we'll definitely talk about that. I've made a mental note about it. We'll definitely come back to that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think you're right about it's nice that things are happening again in Kingston. And I'm it's nice to say things like there's too much yeah. going on. Like we had a cat film festival, we had Relo, we had you know, Kingston Canyon Film Festival. There's a lot happening. I think it's nice to say it that is. again. And this feeling that I have right now of being like, Oh my oh, oh I missed no. something. <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I've, I kind of miss this. I miss being in this position. So um, I'm glad that we can be part of it. And and uh, I want to send a, just a little shout out and a thank you to Cody Bennett, the producer of these two films we're going to talk about later, um, for connecting us and, and making this happen. So as I said, that's coming up in about 10 minutes. Um, but before we, we bring them in, we do have some fan questions Fun. this week. So let's get to some fan questions before we bring our guests in. And I do believe you have another Army Hammer update for us. Uh, yeah, as well. Cannibal Man. He's on. He's on the move. Okay, he's on the move. Um, and we'll we'll probably hear about that after the interview. Yeah. We'll before the end of the episode, we'll make sure to get some Army Hammer time in there as we like to. Um, but let's go to fan questions here. Um, we've got. Uh, I think we've got one. Uh, no, there's two. There's two questions that came in this week. Uh, first from Josh the Inquisitor, as always. In honor of Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, who are your favorite actor duos that often appear together in film or TV? Okay, Josh. Um, that's a great question because duos do happen. I find quite okay, a but I had a hard time. A, a, people like to work. I had with. a hard time thinking of duos that have been in multiple films that I've seen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, my mind immediately, aside from John C. Riley and and uh, Will Ferrell, went to um, uh, The Rock and uh, Kevin oh. Hart, who had did, did a bunch of films together, and then they did the two Jumanji movies together. Like it, it started as a series where they did these. What what the like the one of them is an agent and the other one is a bumbling fool and they come together. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like that type of movie. I can't remember the name of it. But but then they also started to do films together in other franchises, like with Jumanji and stuff. Like that was that's a to me, that's a good modern example of two actors who seem to like to work together. So I immediately thought, and again, like this one doesn't really count because it's not like they've been in other movies together that I'm aware of, but Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum were so good in 21 Jump Street and then the sequel that I wish they would be in more movies together. Like they were very good. Yeah, I'd love to see more of the two of them. You're absolutely right. That's a great example of like that could have that could be a budding duo because they they did so well together. It would be nice. Great chemistry. I agree. And you know, like, yeah, they are like on face value, like you know Channing Tatum's like the suave cool one and Jonah Hill's the goofy one or whatever so I don't know the pairing works and then the other pairing that I thought of that we we've talked about this movie 
often on this show, which is kind of funny, but Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg and the other guys. And <laughs> I thought... Yes, then they did that. Yeah, I've home. never seen... See, I haven't <laughs> seen that one. So again, it doesn't really count for me because I haven't seen their other movies together mm. because Daddy's yeah. Home has become a franchise in itself. There's at least two of those. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's two. Yeah, there's two um, so far. Yeah. So obviously I'm not the only one who enjoys them on screen together. I just haven't seen their other movies. But again, just like really great chemistry in the other guys. So those would be my two picks. I'd love to see Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg together again. Um, and then Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. Oh. Yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Can yeah. I say? No, no. Go ahead. The actresses in Bridesmaids. They're in a lot of stuff oh, yes, together, yeah. I think. You, you see a lot SNL of, people. Um, yeah, SNL people team up. And like Kristen Wiig, I know, has been in quite Maya, a few movies yeah. with Maya Rudolph and um, uh, and Melissa McCarthy as well. Though I guess Melissa McCarthy's kind of gone off to do her own thing. But still, they you see them pair up. And they're good. Bit. I like um, them. So that's, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was just going to say about the Will Ferrell um, and Mark Wahlberg thing. It like Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home Two are two very very funny. Okay. Guys. And with that, between those two and the other guys, I think that that is a very good example of a of a duo that can do comedy well together. That can do a bunch of different things together. Like it just it works. So I, so I worth think watch. That, that that has a lot of potential. Yes, I I think you would enjoy both of those movies um daddy's home and daddy's home well, too but yeah i you brought up a lot of really good ones those are all good uh good examples I, i'm hoping to see a little bit more out of channing tatum and jonah hill like i know they both kind of disappeared a little bit and i think if they came back but and do you think that might have been kind of cool. the fault of the pandemic like i feel like everyone's acting careers on hold like jonah hill steadily been making yeah. movies sense yeah i guess i guess i'm more thinking like i i hadn't heard much of what they were doing production wise and jonah hill had that tv show that came oh Netflix, with emma stone with yeah. emma stone yeah and that was kind of the only thing he'd been working on for a bit because the thing about the pandemic is is like it stalled a lot of things that we wouldn't have seen for a year or two yeah. anyway it was more even the year of the pandemic and all the things got pushed back None of those are Jonah Hill properties and none of those are Channing Tatum properties. So you hadn't really, you, at least two years, you hadn't really seen much out Fair of enough, yeah. two of them, but probably, you know, it's probably net, it's probably because of Netflix. I mean, it's probably that the Netflix series I'm sure took up a lot of time. It takes time to put those together. So I'm sure that that had something to do with it, but yeah, I'm sure now, now that we're into kind of, what is this year two of the pandemic? Technic, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're entering year two. <laughs> We're entering year two, <laughs> so frankly, as far as I'm concerned, um, we're at a we're at a spot where um, where uh, we're now probably going to see more of an effect in terms of people won't haven't even really started working till recently. Um, the films that got pushed back from last year, we'll start to see them for a bit, but I think there might be a little lull. Um, you're, once things do open up, you'll see a bunch of films released and then nothing for a bit as we catch up and you finish know, films. And you know who's to not going to have a lull? I read a really, and I think I've mentioned this on this show a couple weeks ago. I read a really interesting article. Netflix has like a stockpile of new movies. So much, so much so they've committed to releasing one new movie a week this year. 
That's and it's because they had, <laughs> wow. um, they had this crazy funding scheme where essentially they were just like every year borrowing, borrowing, borrowing money um, in order to make new content, like really driving, um, f- driving forward to make new content, but having to borrow a lot of money to do so. Well, this is the first year where that strategy has paid off because whereas other studios didn't do that, you know, they don't, it's not like, Warner Brothers or like whatever think of another studio it's not like they're just sitting on a cache of movies yeah. Netflix is literally sitting on a cache of movies and like TV wow. so um again we've said it a lot on the show in the recent months streaming really is king now yeah I absolutely yeah and I think it was trending in that direction and the pandemic really I think forced it into that where streaming is probably in the best case scenario here because they can just release new content. People will be talking about it. I mean, Netflix is hit and miss on their movies. Some of them are okay. Some of them are not great. Some of them are good. Um, But I mean, that gives us something to think about and look forward to, even for this show. Like, you know, Taylor, you and I were just chatting about what the next couple weeks look like on the show and what could happen in the next month. And, you know, knowing that there's going to be the option of, oh, there might be something new on Netflix every single week for us to talk about. Like, that's great. Yeah. It's going to be um, an interesting next couple months while we wait for everyone to be vaccinated. I totally agree. Uh, Thank you, Josh, for your question. You've continued to email in a question every week, as you said you would. I don't know how you do it. Um, I would have run out of questions. I would have run out of questions by now, frankly. Like I have, (laughs) you know, he does a good job of theming it to what happens in the week, but still like sometimes he still sends in three or four questions. Like how I don't like, I couldn't think of any of these. Yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> like, I don't know what to ask people. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, last question for today comes from Zachary, who says, um, uh, do you think that any topic or type of film could just simply never work as a comedy? This is something I thought a lot about with Holmes and Watson. I never really saw Sherlock Holmes as a comedy type of story slash character. Then again, I never thought you could make Hitler funny uh, either but then i saw jojo rabbit what are your thoughts on this uh thank you for the great work zachary um so thanks uh for for the email um yeah that's an interesting question he's he's actually zachary's not the first one to even bring this up about is you know sherlock holmes is a comedy would that work or not like i've i've talked to people about that actually recently um i mean i think like we talked about this on the show taylor and you bring it up all the time like comedy is so subjective that anything could potentially work as a comedy, but for some people, certain topics or certain individuals or certain historic moments like camp. I think people are are Um, always going to have what they consider taboo, but yes, but not everyone's taboo is the same. So that being said, I would say that, yeah, anything can be made into comedy, but whether or not people are going to like it, that's like a whole other kettle of fish, right? Like Jojo Rabbit did get some reviews saying like, this shouldn't have been made, you know, like you can't poke fun at the Holocaust. Um, And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, valid. But um, I still thought the movie was funny. And I know a lot of people thought the movie was funny. So I, I think it has to do with how you approach a film and like what your intention is. And um, I think black comedy can certainly approach, can certainly be a genre that you could approach any topic with. The only thing that I personally 
think that I wouldn't be able to find humor in would be like sexual assault or like rape. That would be like, that's my taboo. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up an interesting point about it all depends upon what you do with it because on the surface, like I think the example. um, Jojo Rabbit. That Zachary gave. Yeah. Jojo Rabbit like is a pretty good one of like on the surface. If you said to someone, Oh, there's a comedy movie coming out and uh, it's like a comedy and Hitler is, is like one of the main characters. You, you would think yeah, it's bad, like, taste. That's, that's bad taste, bad taste, then you see the movie and it's like, he's the fictional view of what a kid thinks Hitler would be like an imaginary best friend, but you're idolizing someone, which is sort of historically accurate of what was going on in Germany at that time. And you, you watch the movie and it's like it there, the, the way they do it works. So I think that like, that's more a lot of the people who come out and, and say things against something, sometimes they haven't even yeah. seen it. And it's like, you can, you can, I'm totally fine with any opinion on anything. So long as you, you've seen yeah, it, you, can. you know, if, if you hate it, you know, if it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. It, I think, um, but and see also admitting the fact that like, no, that's not my cup of tea, but I'm not going to like weigh in on the dialogue. You know what I mean? Like if you're mm. like, if you were mm. so opposed to the concept of Jojo Rabbit, that's fine. Like, whatever. Don't see the movie. But you don't necessarily need to, like, wade in the, the dialogue about the film. That's, like, I'm not going to, like, if a movie that, in my opinion, is in bad taste, I don't think I would want to get involved in the dialogue. You know what I mean? Like, I would just yeah. be like, and that's okay. That's for someone yeah. else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and- and that's, I think that's exactly the, the the right way to look at it. It's just, that's all right. It's not for me. I'm not going to be involved in this. I'm not, I'm not for this. I think it's in bad taste. It crosses a line for me. There you go. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you bring up a really good point there, Taylor. And I think that that's basically the best way to answer the question is like each person's going to have that limit is going to have that thing. I mean, in the, in the Sherlock example, it's just more, do you think that that would work as a, oh, yeah. as a you know, there's not anything inherently, you know, uh, for someone to get, a, I, as, far, as far as I know, nothing to get up in arms about. If you're like Sherlock being a comedy is like horribly offensive. I think it's just more, w- wait, would that work? And maybe it wouldn't. Like, I, I don't, that's a good question. I've always seen Sherlock as he's solving, he's the, you know, a very smart person who's solving crimes and mysteries. And maybe there's some fun to it, but I would never really see it as, as a comedy and the one example we have of it wasn't very And good. it's so, so funny because I <laughs> like think it's <laughs> rich for comedic timing. Like how I had mentioned on our review show about really thinking if you took it in like a Mel Brooks direction, like how funny that mm-hmm. would be. So I don't even, to me, I don't, I, I don't see it as a barrier. Like I don't think, I think anything can be <laughs> funny given the right context aside from those things that yeah. I personally find taboo, but I just wouldn't watch yeah. those movies you know like yep there you go yeah i think and i think that that's fair i think that's totally fair you shouldn't have to if you don't want to there you go um but thank you thank you zachary for that question very it's very insightful and interesting topic to discuss um if if you want to contribute to screening in kingston just a quick reminder uh you can email us at screening kingston at gmail.com go on our website screening there's also a form on there you can fill that out, email us. Either way is fine. doesn't matter. Ask us a question on social media. All of it's good. But uh, you you help drive the show fans. So definitely keep writing in. We, we love to hear from you. 
Uh, Taylor, the Kingston Canadian Film Festival is going digital for February 26th to March 7th. And we have two special guests here to chat with us about their short films in the local shorts program and in uh, screening in Kingston tradition. We always have them introduce themselves, um, but we've got uh, we've got Laura and Ryan here. Welcome to the show, Ryan and Laura. How are you both doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm, Absolutely. I'm doing good as well. Thank you so much for having me, too. Oh, we're we're happy to have both of you here. Um, and as I said, it's kind of our tradition on on this show. We we really like our guests to just introduce ourselves. So why don't we start with you, Laura, and then we'll go to Ryan after. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what you're working on. So I actually um, have a film that will be in the Canadian uh, Kingston Canadian Film Festival um, that I actually directed in my final year of the Humber. Uh, advanced diploma film and television production program and this was kind of like our thesis film so we spent um, a little bit of our second like half of our second year on this film and then all of our third year on this film as well so I devoted years of this um, kind of uh, time into this film so I've been up to that and then I obviously graduated during uh, quarantine along with Ryan um, So I actually jumped right into work right after, thankfully, and so have a lot of my friends. Um, And we were all kind of worried about that um, during quarantine and graduating and like finding jobs and everything. But honestly, yeah, yeah, um, the industry is kind of booming right now still. So it's a great (laughs) sign. (laughs) Yeah, great. That's great to hear. So you're in the you got a job in the film industry. Um, I actually got a job with um, my internship that I had in my third year as well. And I'm actually video editing. And editing is, yeah, editing is kind of my niche right now. So I'm loving it. Lots of time for editing right now. (laughs) There's a time for something. It's editing with with everything going on. That's awesome. And what about you, Ryan? Yeah. So as Laura mentioned, I'm also from the Humber College Film and Television Advanced Diploma. uh, And I also have a film in the Kingston Film Festival called Catch Your Eyes. Um, I don't know what to add other than what Laura said. Currently, I've... um, I'm working on some YouTube projects and independent stuff. I'm not working in the film industry right now because I live in Coburg, Ontario, so small town. Mm. And yeah, I've just been drifting between different creative projects, trying to get some stuff off the ground, and I'm looking forward to the festival. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the interesting thing about everything going on right now is we've we've got these film festivals Mm -hmm. and you know taylor and i have talked about how kingston's lucky that not only do we have two film festivals every year both of them made the very smart decision to go digital yeah and they made it so we can still see films we can still attend virtually as you would say the festival (laughs) so the fact that we got to see your your films is is fantastic and other people will get a chance too um i guess to kind of kick things off i i was hoping to kind of get a sense of the timeline for both of your films i know i know you mentioned the coming out of school but and i know that the producer is is similar between these but you you both had to put these films together like what were the timelines when when were they finished did COVID interfere with wrapping these up at all and anyone jump on in with with an answer yeah so we both did these two projects as technically do two different projects I I know Mm. Laura shot hers in correct me if I'm wrong was it October Laura yes October of 2019 yeah so I did mine actually in February as part of a separate group of films 
-hmm. started pre-production in January and then went to actually shoot around mid uh, February. And it was just as we were getting into like heavy post-production that the pandemic started. So obviously um, that moved to all digital at that point. So for me, it wasn't a huge concern. Uh, I actually enjoy um, the added benefits that, you know, directing and editing digitally has to offer. So, but luckily, yeah, we got all of our filming done before the pandemic started. And Laura, what about you? Like, did you find, like, did you wrap things up as well? Kind of same time frame, a little earlier and then any post-production things that came in to, to the COVID timeline? Yeah. So, um, actually, um, so for my film, it was part of a different project in our program. So we kind mm-hmm. of started, um, in, um, our second year at the very end of the year. Um, and it's a three-year program. So in, in the second year, that's when we started writing the scripts and everything, choosing the scripts. And then over mm-hmm. the summer, going into the third year, it was kind of like um, going through a panel um, at our school with all of our profs. Um, and then literally right when we jumped into our third year, we started pre-production and had a few months, whereas Ryan probably didn't have as long, obviously. <laughs> but... No, doesn't sound like it. No. <laughs> I know. It was, it, was, it was awful timing for you guys, but it turned out amazing. But at Mm. the end, um, it was actually quite crazy because we had to shoot um, pickups, which kind of happened literally the week that uh, lockdown was announced here in Toronto. I know it was crazy. It was days before we finally shot it. We kind of pushed it off until March. And then Mm. um, all of the post-production was happening, obviously, before kind of. And then it was very hard because we had specific drives to use and obviously some programs don't work on a simple laptop at home. So that was kind of awful in a case, but um, we did wrap it well together and it was all about communicating Mm -hmm. and it was kind of hard. We had to try and get a lot of meetings like virtual meetings and conversating constantly through like Facebook messenger or whatnot and group chats. Um, but it was tough at the end, but I was really surprised how well everyone was communicating. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. It kind of forces you to adapt very quickly, right. To, to those services. But Ryan, you mentioned you were enjoying some of those benefits that did come with this. Cause I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think Mm -hmm. when, when you go into a lockdown, there are benefits that do come with it. Like everything has good and bad. Can you just speak to some of those? Like during post-production, what did you find was a good benefit to that? Yeah. It's just, you know, it's the added freedom of time. A lot of it comes down to the fact that because of the pandemic, obviously, the school gave us a lot more time to get it done. So there was the freedom of just that extra couple of months to get things done. But also just because I think that, you know, this isn't true for everybody, but I can say for me that my written communication, my written direction is actually, I think, probably stronger than my in-person direction. And obviously there's things that you can't do. It's it's great being in an editing booth with an editor and being able to experiment and have fun and joke and all that. But I think that having that added time to, you know, really go through it on your own time and list out everything you see and offer suggestions and really write everything out, I found very helpful personally. It's like a, I was in training a couple of weeks ago for 
something else. And all of us introverts were like, oh, we've loved the pandemic. We've loved working (laughs) from home. And then the extroverts were like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to get back in the office. So um, (laughs) I think (laughs) there definitely is some pros and cons. And I want to apologize. You guys are this is the first time maybe you've obviously been on the show, but maybe also listening. That's my dog. I apologize. That's the hazard of working from home. <laughs> Often makes an appearance yes. actually on this as your dog. Teddy, <laughs> Teddy's his own, the own his own character on the show. So I apologize, but anyways, definitely uh, some some pros to working from home and some negatives. So did Humber Humber must have sent you guys home then, eh? You were you finished up yeah. your project? Yeah, like, pretty immediately. When you're, in your houses exactly and it was kind of a weird situation because i think a lot of other programs are uh they were very easily transferred onto this virtual world where as we kind of had to like pass off drives or stuff like that it was it was kind of hard but um just the process of getting software onto people's computers as well and like whether you have the hardware to support it or not it's just a nightmare luckily my production was actually pretty comfy in that regard but for some people i know it wasn't so easy yeah no that's and that's fair like i a a lot of the time you don't think when you're watching a movie of some of those post-production stuff like i know our we mentioned to you like our fans love the back behind the scenes stuff Mm -hmm. and a lot of them seem very educated on that but sometimes when i'm watching i'm not even thinking about Oh yeah, that, that's like a lot of different things to consider about just the software to mm-hmm. edit yeah. and to sound mix and to stick it all together. The thing I was thinking about watching both your films was like, you actually probably could have filmed some of this during the pandemic because it's such small, isolated spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian, I think there's only two actors yeah. in, in yours. Laura, you had three and then a voice, right? Like a voice over yeah, the phone. Exactly. So I was like, oh, you know, if they had to, they probably could have made this work. But yeah, that's the, I didn't even think about the post process of i think of editing as oh you're sitting home alone you can edit you whatever but software like you've got to have the right tools yeah absolutely mike the file's too big to email (laughs) yeah i know like that's the thing i would just email it like i'm using with with our program it's easy it's just a little audio file just send it like nothing else to worry about so yeah that's that's really cool that's really good insight um for both of you um maybe you can talk a little bit though about the filmmaking process i know it was you know, back a little bit, but I mean, both of you had films that are, are isolated to, to, for Ryan, it's like one location for Laura, it's like only two or three, very isolated films, small team. Like, did that, did you like doing that? Did it give you a sense of really working with a, with a small team or is it that, or are you the same of like, oh, you'll work with a hundred people or five. It's all the same. Um, speaking personally, I actually really liked the comfort and the flexibility that came with such a small crew. Um, In my previous year, I actually shot a different studio film, which probably had a crew of somewhat like 20 to 30 people. And with this one, I was actually very happy to be able to strip it down to like 10 and 10 people who were all really great and who I all trust really well. And, you know, it just it allowed for a much more flexible and much more relaxed uh shoot which i really enjoyed personally and laura what about uh, your production I and mean, you had a couple more people certainly in front of the camera that we can see and and some technical things of like you got a phone call coming in that type of thing but like did you enjoy working with that smaller group as well do you have a preference as to to what you like to especially as like a director mm-hmm. so 
Actually, it's funny because I know you said we had like two or three locations. What's funny about that is this was all shot on one location, one house. Um, it, it was? was? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You did a great job. I thought it was at least three. Like I was I counting. I was like, I, I think there's at least three locations here. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it, it's actually funny because we um, scheduled to shoot in two different locations, but one day it was crazy and it was raining and it was just so hectic and we were supposed to shoot um, exterior scenes. And literally last minute in the morning, I was like, we're scrapping it. We're going to shoot it here so we don't have to move anything. It's not going to be hectic. It was freezing at the time, too. Um, And I'm like, how can we do this? So we went to the backyard and I I was like, this is a whole nother location. Like this could literally be Mm. an entirely different house. But um, in speaking of terms of working with other with um, such a small group, we actually had um, a little bit more um, hands on deck. for this production we had about like 20 to 30 people and it was such a small space that we would have people set up the shot and everything and we'd have to have them like run back downstairs and get out of the way because it was getting Mm. too clustered like the space was so small and Mm. there was it it seemed like there were so many people on set like it felt like there was 50 but there really wasn't (laughs) Um, yeah (laughs) but it was fun honestly like we shot this over the course of like I think it was like three days and by the end we were all like so close and we all slept well not all of us but like a good handful of us slept on the set because it was an airbnb and we kind of had this like little sleepover um and we grew so much closer by the end um and it was like a little family i was kind of sad to leave um the set at the end of it oh i imagine yeah, yeah. if you're spending all the time there with the same people slumber the same parties location, come on yeah you're either going to love each other or hate each other by the end of it. So <laughs> exactly. it sounds, yeah, sounds like it went well for you. I, exactly. I can imagine. That. So for for both of you and and this being obviously connected to school first, I, I want to know like what after you're finished this project as a director, what is your involvement kind of moving forward? Like the fact that this is it, it's in a film festival here in Kingston, like it was that something that was ever on your radar while you're filming or are you focusing on this is for the project we're doing this for school whatever trying to get an a yeah like (laughs) like what did you have that in mind oh we we can we can put this into festivals i i wasn't really focused on that at the time you know when you're in the midst of things you you're kind of just focused on making the best film that you can i mean i think me and laura are both lucky because we both of our producers we share one um his name's cody and he's yep. a wizard in that regard. Sh- he's shout out a, Cody. Yeah, shout out to shout Cody. Out. He is really on the ball when it comes to festivals. He's really involved in the strategy and all that stuff. So I was lucky in that I was able to leave that to him. Um, and yeah, I think he did a wonderful job. Obviously, getting it into the Kingston Festival was a big plus for us. Yeah, I kind of feel like, um, I don't know if you felt this way, Ryan, but um, when you're at Humber and... I think it's about like when you hit third year, it's like all of our props are training us mm-hmm. um, to be festival oriented and really yeah. be great and integrated into this whole marketing scheme of things because that is, you don't want your project to kind of just hit a dead end once you graduate. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, you definitely want to get more eyes on it. And it's so funny because um a Chinese love song actually won an award at the Asian um, cinematography awards. And I was like, Oh, this is crazy. Like I didn't even think that 
any festival that we applied to would even recognize us. But here we are. That's again. Awesome. I know. Damn. Yeah. So congratulations. Like, that's awesome to hear that, that you get an award of it. And yeah, that must be a, a fantastic feeling to, to have others recognize kind of your hard work in that way. Yeah, 100%. And also, again, Cody Bennett is an amazing person. And mm-hmm. I definitely think that he has all of the skills and abilities and knowledge in producing and I hope he goes far with it because he is so devoted to really the is. films that he works on. 100%. It blows my mind the amount of time he's willing to commit <laughs> to so many different projects. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, it's what you have to do to be a producer and that's great that it sounds like he's uh, he's the right personality type for that. So Yeah, exactly. Um, so when it comes to um, now I, I want to kind of ask just a couple questions about about the films because as a, Taylor and I had a chance to to watch them and and we we're not going to obviously spoil anything because we want people to watch them and and we'll make sure everyone gets the information uh, about how to watch in this but I, I, th- I just have a couple of quick questions like for you Laura I, I had a question about um, the the subtitling um, in the film yeah and and you're kind of I don't know where this decision was and again I don't know sometimes I never know when I'm streaming something if it's a settings thing or what but everything including the English was subtitled was that a conscious choice or was that my computer just turning subtitles on for the whole um I think that um it definitely wasn't a 100% choice I think that um it kind of just kept going with uh, yeah. the back and forth of going back to Chinese and English dialects, but um, not the whole, the whole film doesn't have uh, subtitles in it, but um, yeah, it kind of just helps you sort of feel like you're not straying away. Cause I know when you watch movies or um, shows or whatever that have subtitles, I feel like you kind of get carried away when you are reading the subtitles and you aren't really paying yeah. attention to the film as much. I couldn't agree more with you. And that's what I found interesting is like, it actually helped me keep in the flow exactly. where some of the English was subtitled too. So I, the flow I got into to, to, you know, looking down and then back up was actually nice. And I thought it was very well, I thought the use of subtitles was like very well done is kind of my point. I think within <laughs> your film was every, I never felt strained. I never felt like, okay, I don't know what's going on. And I'm, I never felt that moment where sometimes things go by so quickly and it's so fast. And it's back and forth, back and forth, where I'm just like, I want to watch faces, not read text. Right. But with, with your film, I thought that the flow was so well. And I thought it was interesting where every once in a while, you got you got the English subtitle for English, which I thought was, I actually, I mean, whether or not it was done on purpose or whatever, it doesn't matter. It worked. And it was effective for, for the film process. So I was just curious about that. But yeah, that's uh, that's definitely interesting insight. And, and I guess for, again, for both of you, the number one thing that I noticed and I thought was interesting was you're, you are dealing with a confined space. And it's interesting, Laura, that you said that this is one location, very tiny. You're in this like, you know, Airbnb and you're kind of working around it. Ryan, it looked like you had a little more space, but your entire film takes place in this one location, this backstage mm-hmm. kind of feel. Where where was that? Is that like a, a Humber theater? Is that like, where is that location? Yeah, so we actually had a ton of space because we shot that all within the studio that we have at Humber, which is a very high ceiling. Um, I guess it's the size of maybe like four classrooms. We put up a, a wooden wall to create like this dressing room for the film. But behind that, we had a whole like probably three quarters of the room left to move around in. So we were very, very lucky to be able to have like this big 
uh, Humber space allocated to us by the school, which, you know, gave everybody breathing room, I think, and gave the actors a chance to move around and gave us a lot of freedom um, in how we set up the set and whatnot. And did you find, like, especially atmospherically for both of you, Mm -hmm. like this is, you know, I've seen, I mean, I'm sure Taylor and I can attest that we've seen a lot of student films. We've seen a lot of Canadian films. Mm -hmm. We've seen a lot of short films. We've seen a lot of films done in many different ways. The fact that you were able to find these locations that like, did that make it feel even more real for you as a, as a director? Like, is that important to you to be like, we want this authentic backstage feeling. We want this authentic. This could be someone's home. We don't want it to look like we're on a sound stage in any of that type of way. Like, is, was that important to both of you as directors? I think for me, definitely. We actually had, um, during pre-production, we had some time to do some set scouting. And we looked at a couple of different places downtown. And I don't know why, but something actually kind of sparked within me when I walked into this place. I'm like, this one specific place looks like three different locations because there were three different or actually four different levels of it. And I'm like, this helps so much with transferring or transporting all of our equipment, all of the cast and the crew. It just helps out in so many different ways. And I definitely wanted to stay within one location and get comfortable within one location. But we were also at the beginning looking at a very specific aesthetic for a location. And I think we got too attached to that. Um, Mm. Because when you go into looking to a place, you don't really look beyond what's in front of you and what you can really do with the set deck and the art to really transform a place. And even like color grading at the end really does transform a space as well. Um, And then when I kind of just had to work with uh, my art director, Wendy Vu, she is amazing and she can literally draw a space like that. And she can come up with photos and um, pictures of how well she can transform a space and that's basically what happened and for me i would actually say that it was almost like a a sandbox thing for us because like i said we just had this big giant space we can essentially do whatever we want with that so we put a lot of care into crafting like this very specific backstage um kind of feel and we wanted it to, to be feel authentic and real but i wanted there to be some level of dissonance between the audience and and the space i personally i like films that are a bit on the surrealist side and so with our set deck i actually kind of wanted to to create a place that kind of had almost a an alien sort of feeling to it and um yeah yeah no and it, it it had a yeah it was a great feel like both of your locations were were great for for the films you were making like it the, the feeling was there the atmosphere was there um sorry taylor if i'm just like rattling off questions here i just got so invested <laughs> in talking to them i apologize i know you want to talk I, I, shop <laughs> i know sorry i just i'm i love this process i'm very behind the scenes thing mike, I, I, mike used I do to have produce a, for theater mm, the theater uh, yes for the, the for the theater <laughs> um and i and i cody and i go way back so i know i know your producer quite well <laughs> um so that's uh, kind of how we connect here but um like taylor i i have another kind of question for them but i just 
if you have anything else you want to ask them, go ahead. I, I can, I I can am, stop yammering on here. I am curious um, how the casting worked for the program, if the talent came also from Humber or if that was, um, you know, you had to kind of scout people from outside the program. I was, I was curious about that. Yeah, so our program was actually interesting or our production was interesting in that regard in that the whole premise of like the film, the set of films that I was working in, which were called portfolio films in that we were actually assigned for the films, two actors to work with um, from the Humber Lakeshore campus because they have an acting program there. And so we actually had two actors assigned to our production from that program that we were supposed to work with and write a script around and ultimately, um, the two actors we had, one of them, we didn't quite feel like it was working out for a variety of reasons, which I won't get into. But we actually got Nicole, um, who plays the, the singer in the film, who is a professional actor who does a lot of commercial stuff. She was very generous to come on board with our production after I had scouted her out on Mandy. And... Yeah, it was. So um, for the independent production films at Humber, you actually do have to search for actors. And so <laughs> we were looking for union and non-union actors. It didn't really matter to us. Um, but we had so many casting calls um, that we held at Humber and also downtown Toronto. Um, and specifically for our film, it was kind of a mess at one point because we had such a specific um, niche that we were like looking for for each person obviously with um, ethnicity and especially for one of the characters uh, May she had to speak Cantonese um, and then at one point we kept finding Mandarin speaking um, actors and we were like are we switching the dialect to Mandarin like from Cantonese to Mandarin like what are we doing but it's crazy because in the end, um, both, uh, sorry, May, the character May, um, who is played by um, Corey Ng, she doesn't speak like fluent Cantonese. So she was getting coached by um, the character Jai Lee and also um, our writer Vanessa Tang. And also she was getting help from her mom on how to pronounce specific words in Cantonese. So that was wow. that was a crazy process, but it was so interesting to see um, it all play out in the end because we were getting so nervous um, mm. in the fact of not finding specific characters, changing the dialect, all that. Yeah. But in the end, well, it all worked and, out. Yeah, and and the thing is about about you know about your film is that you're you're all, you're dealing with subject matter with so many layers yeah i mean you're dealing you're dealing with with race you're dealing with family dynamics exactly. uh, cultural dynamics like i i would imagine you're even in the casting you you're thinking as a director i want to get this right i mean you're 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 dealing with with subject matter you want to deal with it in the right way like that must be a lot of added pressure to like just that that's interesting about the dialogue do, do we change it do we have to change this to suit what we have like that what is that all just added pressure that from the beginning you know because of that content okay i've got i've got a lot on my plate here yeah um that was a huge thing for me um when i was brought on to direct the film um, Cody and Vanessa wanted um, someone who was Asian to kind of represent um, the film well. And funny enough, I kind of got attached to the script anyways, because 
I know I'm not Chinese. I'm actually Filipino. Um, so that's, mm. that's a whole nother level of pressure as well, because like, right. Yeah. 100%. And, um, so it's funny enough because I kind of saw myself in the shoes of the main character, Jai Lee, because I went through the exact same things. And although I'm not Chinese, I'm still Asian in the end. And it's a story that a lot of Asians do not really talk about, or even any other races, especially being in Toronto in such a diverse um, place, you kind of are already integrated into being around so many different ethnicities. And it's not like you're bound um, to conform to kind of your parents' preconceived ideas of who you should be with in the end. And I kind of went through that in my own life and um, saw family members go through that and the judgment and shame of it. So I connected to the story well um, in that sense. And so I was like, hands down, I need to share my story, but also a lot of other Asian stories as well. And and film and the arts are just a fantastic way to to put a spotlight on some of these stories and to share each other's stories where, you know, someone like me not, might not be able to on the surface understand um, this story, but then I get to see it on film. And because, you know, there's rich characters and there's development, you get into the story and you root for people and you, you start to become a certain understanding with it. So yeah, I, I think that what you're saying is, is important. And I'm really glad that you can share this type of story through the film um, and for Ryan, for you, I mean, it's another topic that's been around forever yeah. and is getting a lot more spotlight now. I mean, this this idea of putting people on a pedestal, this fandom around people like did you also have that similar sense of like you knew you were dealing with um, content that's being talked about now? And and how did that kind of affect your approach to because you also did some writing on this as well, didn't you? Uh, I was a story editor. So mm-hmm. my fa- my friend, our mutual friend, Andy Coe, write the script. And I was involved in the script editing process pretty much the entire way. And yeah, what we wanted, we knew that this was something that was topical that, you know, a lot of people can relate to in the news and the media. But our our main concern was just getting these characters right and almost putting aside, not that that stuff isn't important, but make sure that the psychology of those characters is authentic and the scenario between those characters is feels real before we get into any political dynamic of it. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely, I think, a big part of the subtext. But I feel personally, my job as a director is first and foremost to be true to the characters first. And then the the wider political background of it comes in sort of naturally i think as a result of that well i i just we're we're just about out of time but i just want to say um uh, first of all thank you laura and ryan for for coming here today thank you and talking to us about this um and it was it was a pleasure to get a chance to to watch your your films in advance we had a sense of of what you're talking about and i hope that people will check it out um just so everybody knows so you can stream a Chinese love song directed by Laura Bisa, part of the local shorts program at the Kingston Canadian Film Festival on Monday, March 1st at 8 p.m. And you can stream Catch Your Eyes, directed by Ryan Petrie, 
on Tuesday, March 2nd at 6 p.m. The local shorts program has been split into two days because that's how amazing we are with a lot of great local films. So <laughs> you've got a lot to choose from. For more information, people can visit Kingston uh, KingCanFilmFest.com. That's the Kingston Canadian Film Festival's website. You can go online and buy tickets there. Thank you again, Laura and Ryan, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming, guys. Really fantastic to talk to uh, to Laura and and Ryan. Um, I'm really glad they were able to join us. Definitely check out the Kingston Canadian Film Festival. It is coming up starting this week. It's all digital, so make sure to go to their website for more. It's now time for our new favorite segment of the show. Let's get that Army Hammer update. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. It's now time for Screaming Kingston's latest segment, Is Army Hammer, In Fact, a Cannibal? Hey, hold it right there. I've known this man for 25 years, and I vouch for I don't care what you vouch for. Eat me. Because we're gentlemen of Harvard. And now for the latest on Army Hammer, here's Taylor. So it was a little bit of a slow week in the world of Army Hammer, which Army Hammer was probably appreciating, um, given the last couple weeks a little bit relentless for him. So um, the big news for Army Hammer is that he has been um, recast or will be recast in a, a series about Watergate. Um, so that's kind of the latest project. I don't necessarily want to say he's been dropped from it because I, I haven't read that particular verbiage, but he certainly is being recast. Um, I'm having a hard time figuring out whether he was recast as a result of these current um, scandals or if he there was a conflict, you know, many months ago. But regardless... He will not be in the upcoming Watergate series, which is going to star Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. So really big names. Um, and also he's been dropped from or will will be dropped. It looks like there's a rumor the death on the Nile, um, which you were in kind of went. Ooh, that's yeah. You. Well, I, I really liked um, the last one, the, the murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. And this is the continuation. Yeah. And I think Kenneth Braun is a really good director. I'm just, Taylor, I know you said that, like, maybe there were other conflicts for the first one. This is just a little too, too interesting timing as far as I'm it's concerned. We- it would be weird to report the recasting now. Like, if he was going to be, like, the headline says, Stars picks up Watergate series starring Julia Roberts and Sean Penn, yeah. recast Army Hammer. So, like... Yeah, if he was going to be sorry, recast that has months to do ago, if that was like yeah. months ago, why is this part of the headline? Right, like it would just be stories yeah. picks up Watergate. So I don't know. Um, the other, it's not all bad news for Army. Um, one of his new movies, Crisis, um, is coming out still, and the director, the producer said it's too late. You know, <laughs> the movie's yeah. made. Um, we can't recast like the it's. It's done. Um, that movie is set to come out March 5th, and it's starring Gary Oldman and Eva, Eva, ooh, Eveline Lilly? Ev, Ev, uh, I'm apologize. Evangeline? Yes, Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly. Lilly. Oh, and yeah. um, I believe it's about... Um, uh, it looks like it might be about sort of like the pharmaceutical industry and um, addiction, essentially. So, so it looks like a really good movie. What I'm... Uh, 
the story at least looks interesting. What I'm surprised about, not surprised, but reading all of these headlines, reading all of these projects he was attached to, and I knew, I did know Army Hammer was an up-and-coming actor. I thought he was a good actor based on Call Me By Your Name. Um, and I know he had been in, like, the 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 Facebook movie, whatever. But and Man are, From U.N.C.L.E. Man From U.N.C.L.E., yes, one of our favorites. Um, these are really big projects. Like, 100%. Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Sean Penn in itself is kind of problematic, but, like, that is a huge project. And then him being attached to Death on a Nile, which, um, you know, that the first movie was such a success with really, like, household names. It's like, oh, my gosh, Army. Like, what is going on? Like, yes, uh, that's that's when I, that's kind of exactly my point is like the fact that he's being dropped from all of these, like it can't be a coincidence. So so either people are just like, I don't even want anything to do with all of these stories or there's a lot more going on here. I know there were some allegations. I know that there, you know, there were he's not being investigated for one murder at, at the same <laughs> place where he was working. Like, uh, you know, it's just it, people are now talking about it. like SNL is making Army Hammer jokes. Cannibal um, jokes. They they stole our bit, you know, so (laughs) it's it's a thing that like clearly people either know something or a lot of producers are just like, you just don't want to you just don't want to touch it. it. You don't want to touch it with a 10, uh, 10 foot pole. So, again, as I want to say, every time we talk about Army Hammer, we are making a comedy segment out of it. We are poking fun. If these allegations are true, these are serious, serious, serious allegations. The what he's done, what these women are alleging. Um. It's like a, it's a big deal. So like, I understand producers not wanting to take the gamble, right? Like if this stuff comes to light that, you know, he has been essentially assaulting women and like has been, um, yeah, like cut your losses now. But it's, I just, I guess what is like, not shocking, but just realizing that like Army Hammer has really screwed up his career. Because like no matter what this year, it looked yeah. like like 2021, 2022 was going to be huge yeah. for him. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that no matter what happens, his career is going down a different path now. Um, but hey, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if he did all these things and if he eats human beings, that's then what like. Yeah, don't let him don't don't yeah, let him start like, with J-Lo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, like if you you don't want uh, the screening in Kingston podcast to make fun of you, don't eat a human being. That's that's the rule here. So yeah, like I I, I know like, we we make fun of it. We we joke at it. It's not it's not funny if if these you know all these allegations that are coming about him. It's not funny, and and he needs to be but be held responsible. Hey, do this. cannibals deserve to be made fun of? Maybe, maybe. That's not for us to say. That's not for us to say. We're and there's nothing in our segment other than what us we're saying right now that says we're making fun of it. We're just pointing it out. Yeah, these are just you know I'm just reporting on the headlines. I'm just reporting on it. Just reporting on it. Well, um, this has been a great episode. I just want to give another shout out. Thank you to to Laura and Ryan for joining us. Um, if you want more information on the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, go to kingcanfilmfest.com. You can get all the information there. Uh, just like Real Out, they're streaming everything online, really easy to access. So go on their website uh, and uh, and enjoy some amazing Canadian films. And uh, we'll we'll get more Army Hammer updates next week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Go stream some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. 
We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.